many occasions from this pulpit have you heard me teach that salvation is the free gift of God? Many times, because it is. That Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary, and I often like to use these words for the free forgiveness of sins, right? How many times have you heard me say those words? For the free forgiveness of sins. That our glorious salvation is by grace, grace alone, through faith, faith alone, not as a result of works so that no one could boast, glory to God alone. How many times have we rehearsed this gospel? I mean, no doubt you've heard that countless times and the repetition of these beautiful words of so great a salvation that we have and that we share in Christ Jesus in whom, as we talked about last week, our very lives are hidden. Amen? It's the good news of the gospel. Uh, but when you leave here this morning, I want you to have a very, very clear understanding that once you are so graciously saved by God, through faith alone, grace alone, to the glory of God alone, that after that, work is required. Work is required. That needs to be very clearly understood. And oftentimes in Protestant churches, and this one in particular, we, we go overboard to stress the freeness of this so that no one is confused that it's not Christ plus works equals salvation. It's Christ plus nothing equals everything. But we need to have a very clear understanding that once we are so graciously saved by God and He has shown us His mercy, that after that, work is required. I think sometimes we go into autopilot as believers and we think that somehow, almost mystically speaking, because after all, the Holy Spirit resides within us. So somehow, almost mystically, we're just going to let go and let God. Have you heard that one before on maybe many occasions? We're just supposed to mystically let go and let God, and He's going to just take care of the rest. And somehow through that, magically, we are going to grow in Christian character. We are somehow mysteriously just going to grow into Christ-likeness. I brought to our attention this morning right here, this is the definition or description, that is, of progressive sanctification from our Jinx Bible Constitution. And notice how we affirm the necessity of being intentional with regard to spiritual growth. Let's look at this together. This is right out of our Constitution. Progressive sanctification refers to the Christian's increasing transformation into the character of Christ. whereby the Christian wages war. Now remember, what did we just say? Work is required. You know, the Bible is filled with this kind of imagery of onward Christian what? Soldiers. Well, what do soldiers do? They wage war. They fight. It's an active thing. Work is required. We don't just sit back and just let go and let God. Could you imagine a 
an army and you said, okay, you're the army. Are you ready? Sit down and do nothing. Victory is assured. It's just not going to happen. But yet we somehow wrongly think that in our Christian lives, in our Christian journey, in our soul journeys, if, if we start talking about the necessity of work as required, sometimes in our circles, we can wrongly start thinking, oh, we're adding works to salvation. Absolutely not. No works needed for salvation, right? Amen? But once saved, work is required because Christians wage war against this little thing right here, the flesh, and we do so in obedience to the Word of God and by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit who energizes the believer to live a holy life in conformity to the will of God. These resources, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, are dispensed to Christians the moment of their salvation, and so they are in no way required by God to seek a so-called second blessing or second work of grace. Good news is, is once you get saved, you get all of the Holy Spirit that you're going to get. He's not dispensed sporadically. A little bit here and a little bit there is the more you plead and ask for Him. You get all of Him, all of the Holy Spirit. That's good news. And now notice this last part right here. Characteristic of this sanctification is that it is synergistic. A cooperative effort between God and the Christian. Do you believe that? The degree to which we believe that it's a cooperative effort between God and the Christian informs us that work is required, that we need to be doing some things, not to earn our salvation, but we do things in order for something else. It's not for salvation, so what is it for? Well, what we're going to see and what I want us to leave this morning being certain of is the reason why we work it's not for salvation, but it's for Christ's character being conformed in us. Christ-likeness. And again, sometimes we wrongly think that the Holy Spirit, all on His own, apart from us doing anything, is going to magically or mystically do that. And then when people start talking about progressive sanctification this way, they, start, they immediately put the little red flags up, you know, like, eh. It's works. You're, you're adding works. You're, you're talking about, about works. Don't do that. And there's sometimes a wrong understanding of the relationship between definitive sanctification, justification, a work of God alone, all on His own, free of works, completely no works needed. But once you're saved, work is required. It's a cooperative effort between God and you, if you're a Christian here this morning. In contradistinction to the work of salvation, which is monergistic, a work of God alone. And so we need to be very clear in our thinking about this because the personal application that we walk away with this understanding should be that it informs our thinking that if we are going to continually have a progressive growth into Christ-likeness, we must be intentional, and that intentionality needs to be sustained. That intentionality needs to be sustained and it needs to be planned. Planned. There needs to be purposeful effort through a planned and sustained intentional effort for us to continue to grow in Christ's likeness. 
Can you imagine getting saved, receiving a new heart under the new covenant, and not having new affections that would want you to be more like Christ? Could you imagine that God sent His Son to die on the cross for your sins, to freely save you, the free forgiveness of sins, and then He gives you a new heart, and within that new heart, He's content with you just having no new interest, no new desires of growing into Christ-likeness at all, just continuing being the same old self that you were. Well, not at all. We can't imagine that because that's not the way God has ordained it. And when we think about this rightly, we understand that that what I'm talking about here this morning are things that we get to do. I like that. It, anybody ever go to New Life Ranch? There was this, these list of things you get to do. Sometimes people put out the thou shalt nots. So they would put out a list of things you get to do. And they turn a negative into a positive. And I think we need to kind of rearrange our thinking as we go into 2024. Remember last week? Where's your life hidden? It's hidden in Christ. And in, in and there hidden in Christ is all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that we need and can have possession of in Christ Jesus. And so we also need to put that together with the reality that we are called to be very intentional, to have a sustained plan with purposeful effort toward Christ-likeness and growth. We are not to just let go and let God. Let me tell you this, if you let go and let God and you just wait for your progressive sanctification and growth and Christ-likeness to take place, in a year from now, when 2025 comes along, and I say, how much more do you look like Christ this year than you did last year? Well, maybe I should pose it that way. How much more do you look like Christ right now than you did going into last year, this time last year? What did your intentional, sustained, planned, purposeful effort look like that brought about that increased growth into Christ-likeness and in His character over this past year that's got you where you're at today that's going to continue to sustain you and cause you to grow more into the glorious image of Jesus Christ this year as well? You see, if we just keep showing up year after year after year just doing our religious thing, we just go to church, we do what the denomination told us to do. And we end up just looking the same. Our spiritual lives, as a matter of fact, we might see atrophy in our spiritual lives. We might see a weakness in our spiritual lives. We might see an inability to overcome certain sin habits and patterns that wage war in our flesh. And that's why we go to war against that flesh with an intentional, sustained plan that has purposeful effort in order that we can grow in Christ's likeness. Are you following me? Okay, now has anybody felt like they had their toes stepped on? Mine got stepped on all week long thinking about this. So welcome to my world. You just get it for 30 minutes. I got it for an entire week. The Holy Spirit encouraging me to, to keep pressing in to come closer. You haven't achieved anything. Come closer. How much more are you willing to relinquish and let go of areas that you really want to have control of in your life? Over things that you really want to still have control of in your life. That you still want to kind of be a little king in your own little kingdom in your own life. He's saying, come closer.
And this is for the believer who's been in, in the faith for 50 years, as well as for the believer who's been in the faith one year. The Word of God and the Spirit of God perpetually saying, come closer. You've not arrived, and you won't until glorification, when you see Him face to face. Amen? So I want you to leave this morning thinking about how you're going to have an intentional, sustained, planned, purposeful effort of growth in Christ-likeness. So come 2025, you can look back over 2024, and you can see that God has been at work in you, to willing to work for His good pleasure, and He has grown you more into the image of Jesus Christ. And you look back and you see how you've been able to respond to difficulties in life, broken relationships or, the, or deaths of loved ones, whatever it may be, come what may, and you can see how you are growing in your ability to respond in such a way that when you get cut in life, like Spurgeon said, you bleed Bible. Because you're just getting it in and you're growing in Christ's image. Listen to how the Apostle Paul instructed, instructed Pastor Timothy to teach this kind of truth to the church he was pastoring there in Ephesus. This is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 11. He says, In pointing out these things to the brethren, now contextually you go back to the first five verses of chapter 4, in pointing out these things, that's, the, that's what's bringing that into our context there, um, when you're pointing out to the brethren the need to perpetually be walking instead with Christ, you're, you're, and you point these things out, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus in, in pointing those things out. You will thus be a good servant, Pastor Timothy, of Christ Jesus, being constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine, things that in our churches today we just don't often Teach. Sound doctrine? Is there a place from in the pulpit today for sound doctrine and teaching? Well, the Apostle Paul thought so, and he told Pastor Timothy that whenever he was instructing and teaching those in the church in Ephesus to constantly be nourished on the words of faith and sound doctrine, which you have been following. So it's a pattern that they have been doing, continue doing that. But have nothing, verse 7, have nothing to do with worldly fables only fit for old women. Now that's, I'm not even going to comment on that one. I'll wait till Pastor Matt can explain that one in his class on First and Second Timothy, right? You can handle the old women comment. So if, you're, if you have questions about the old women comment, just, just don't, don't do that, okay? Whatever that is, don't do that. Have nothing to do with worldly fables, gossips. All that drama stuff. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. You see that? Pastor Timothy, when you're teaching sound doctrine to the church in Ephesus, I want you to continue to point certain things out. And you do this for the purpose of progressive sanctification our continued, purposed, purposeful effort in growing in Christ Jesus. And you need to teach people, Timothy, that they need to discipline themselves 
toward that end. Now, if you're going to discipline yourself toward that end, um, you have to be very intentional, right? You, you have to have a, a, an intentional and sustained plan toward something. The, um, this word right here comes from a Greek word that's very familiar to us. I think you've probably heard the word gymnasium, right? The Greek word is gymnasio. We get our English word gymnasium, discipline. Um, any of you used to ever go to gymnasiums? And, and 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 exercise, you know, most of the young people in here are saying, oh, yeah, I'm still doing that. And us older guys, ah, I remember when I did that. You know, curls for girls, and then you get your girl and you stop the curls or something, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, I see you, James. Yeah, it, it, it happens that way, right? You get your girl, you stop the curls. Yeah, discipline yourself for godliness. Um, and if you're going to have a plan like in 20, 2024, it's, there's always a time for making a fresh, new, uh, what do you call them, New Year's resolutions, right? I'm going to, man, I'm going to get back in the gym, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, I'm going to get my curls going again, I'm going to do all New Year's resolutions, right? So in order to do that, what do you have to have? You, you have to have intentionality. You have to have a sustained plan. Are you just going to show up at the gym and walk in and just stare at the weights and go, ha, 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 I feel better? No, you, you need to have an intentional plan with purposeful effort. So you go in and on Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays, you do these three things. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you do other certain things. And together, it, it equals out to be some, you know, some good stuff. You can tell I'm real into these plans, right? I mean, obviously, you could tell. Yeah, um, but you don't just show up at a gym without a plan. Why do we show up in life to, and think we're going to go grow spiritually without a plan? Why do we do these things? Where did we get and how did we get led to believe that we can just show up in life, in our spiritual life, unplanned, without a purposed effort, with no intentionality, and we're going to grow spiritually? How did we get ourselves to that place? Well, maybe you remember from last week, I told you about your adversary, and he was referred to as a thief. Remember that guy? And what did it say in John 10, 10? The thief came to do what? Kill and destroy. Kill, steal, and destroy. So to any degree that we think that we can just show up in our spiritual lives and have sustained, purpose, intentional spiritual growth without doing anything is the same degree to which that thief has sold us a bill of goods, lies, because he's the father of lies and has been from the beginning, and we've comfortably in our flesh accepted that, and we just keep living that same dull spiritual life week after week, month after month, year after year, and we get from one year to the next year, and we look into the mirror of the scriptures, and we don't see really any transformation at all. Tracking with me? We, we need to think differently as Christians. We need to realize we do have an adversary. We need to realize that the Word of God calls us to exercise, discipline, go to the, the spiritual gym 
for the purpose of godliness. And, and, and notice, I love this right here. There's going to be a, a lot of silent amens that go up. For bodily discipline is only of little profit. The industry, the finances that get poured into bodily discipline is in the billions. The Word of God says it's of little profit. Now, the word profit is here. There is profit to bodily discipline, to actually going to a, an actual gym and hitting some weights and getting on the treadmill. There is profit to that. But God's Word reminds us that it's of little profit. So if any of you perhaps here this morning are investing more into your bodily growth than your spiritual growth, you just need to have a little alteration in your thinking. That one is of little profit, but godliness, notice this, is profitable. There's the profit for that too, this thing in which you're to discipline yourself towards. It's, it's profitable as well, but notice, for all things, not just curls for girls, but all things. Because once you get your girl, you have to learn to live with her when she's your wife in an understanding way for the next 55 to 60 years so that you can be the spiritual head of a home husband and help her grow into the image of Christ's likeness along with yourself with, as I said, an intentional, sustained, planned, and purposed effort in that direction. How are you going to do that? Have you thought about that? Are you making efforts towards that? Have you put together your list for how you're going to go about getting your Bible intake in this year? Scripture memory that you know you've been wanting to memorize for a year. Oh, I'm just not good at Scripture memory. There's that same lie that's been telling you that for years and years and years and years and years. But when it comes to your favorite songs on the radio, you never once tried to memorize them, but you know them all. All of them. Songs that you haven't even heard of in the last 30 years. Some of those great 80 classics. Everybody loves the 80s classics, right? They come on the radio and bam, all of a sudden you just start singing them verbatim again. You hadn't thought about them for years. But that same familiar lie, oh, I'm just not good at memorizing scripture. I just, my brain just doesn't work. It just, it's that same thief that is kind of, and he has killed, he has stolen from you a joy that should be yours in the Lord with an understanding that you need to put forth effort. Work is required, church, and it's time that we get to work for the purpose of godliness, not for earning your salvation. And we need to understand that how to separate this from legalism. You know what legalism simply is? Sometimes we accuse of being legalistic whenever you've got your verse packs. and you're, Oh, why are you being so legal? Legalism is when you're trying to do something for the express purpose of gaining more favor or God's greater love in your life. And if you think rightly about this, you understand that God loves you infinitely. He sent His Son to die for you. He showed you mercy and He freely saved you. He can love you no more. You're infinitely loved in Christ. This has nothing to do with gaining more of God's love. And it has everything to do with you growing into Christ's likeness so that you can experience more of His favor. How did Jesus say it in John 10.10? 10? Abundant life. I came that may, they may have life and have it abundantly. That's what we're talking about. But if you don't have a plan for that, you're planning to not succeed. You're planning to fail. How'd you do this past year? Did you plan to succeed or did you plan to fail? Was there even a plan? We need to understand that work is required. Efforts required for continued progressive growth into Christ's likeness 
We therefore need to be intentional about this. It needs to have, we need to have sustained effort into this. We need to have a plan for it. What's your reading plan in God's Word? How are you going to get God's Word in you this year? And maybe it's just the New Testament. This year I want to read the New Testament. So what do you do? You read 10 verses a day. Does that sound like a, too much? To get the entire New Testament into you in the course of a year? Sounds like nothing at all. So maybe it's that, that same thief and that voice that keeps coming, oh, I just can't do that. We've got to rise up. We've got to take dominion of this world in which we're living, men, women. We've got to rise up as God's children and say, enough's enough. I don't want a thief stealing things that were intended for my abundance of life here with Christ Jesus and my growth into Christ Jesus' likeness. I want that. Do you want that, church? Is that, the, is that not the, the creation of new desires that God has given us to want that? To want to be more like Christ, our beloved. It's profitable for all things, and notice, because it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Put that in the balances. Weigh that in the balance. It's almost laughable. But yet the one thing that, that we need to purposefully gymnasium ourselves for, for the purpose of growing in Christ's likeness, this is how we know for a fact that there is one true adversary of God's people and that those flaming darts are as darn effective as they are. And the only empirical data we need to know that is our own lives. So get to work. Get to work, Paul tells Timothy. It's a trustworthy statement there in verse 9, deserving full acceptance. This is from the Apostle Paul by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. As God's people, we should have full acceptance of what Paul is telling Timothy to do in his teaching of doctrine to the church. Verse 10, for it is for this we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God. Now, I think that's really what it comes down to. Have we truly, as believers, fixed our hope on the living God? Don't let the adversary wrongly make you think that there are so many other better options that you could be running after this side of heaven. Listen, what did Matthew 6.33 say? When we were, remember when we were in Matthew 6.33 five years ago? Seek first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness. But did it stop there? No. And all these other things will be added unto you. God's not a killjoy. He's just saying put Him first. Put His kingdom first. All these other things will be added to you. You can still have life, a life, things that you do and enjoy outside of that. But they're not first, he's first. Building his kingdom is first. And it's a trustworthy statement, full of acceptance. Verse 9, verse 10, it's because we, this is why Paul says we strive and we labor. We have our hope fixed on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. And then I really like this verse 11, wrapping this up. Prescribe and teach these things. If you get an illness and you're not feeling so well, you go to your doctor. They give you an examination. Oh, well, you've got this. So, they leave you, they send you out to get a what? A prescription. And so when you go get your prescription, what's the purpose of taking the prescription? 
It's a medication that's going to help you get well. It's going to help you get better, make you feel better. It's a prescription. Paul is saying, here's like, a, here's like a, a biblical prescription on how to get better spiritually. Take this medicine. Prescribe these things. Make this this prescription that you leave with the church, Timothy, on what they need to be doing, on how they're going to get better and feel better and grow more into Christ-likeness, godliness, in their walk with Jesus. Prescribe and teach these things. Now, I could stop right there because that, that, that waxed pretty well, didn't it? I feel it. I feel encouraged all the more as I know the day of Christ is drawing near to make certain that my effort is sustained, that I've got a plan. A plan. A plan for spiritual growth. Do you have a plan? Dads, do you know, if you have a plan, do you, do you know if your wife has a plan? Do your children have plans? Hey, guys. You got plans? Hit me up at lunch on what your plan is. It's tough being the pastor's kid <laughs> sitting around the front row. Front row. Yeah. Pl a plan. I want you to leave thinking very strategically this morning as God's kids. Because I want your life to flourish in Christ Jesus in 2024 like it's never flourished before. Do you? Do you want spiritual growth? that badly that you'll make a plan for it sustainability be intentional block out other things that come crashing in trying to eat that time away let's do that one last passage I want us to gnaw on a little bit here this morning is Paul again to the church of Philippi just want to point out a few observations from this very beloved passage. Paul says some very profound things in this passage, and I think it helps balance out a little bit of what we've been saying so far from 1 Timothy. He says there in verse 12, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Did I mention that work is required? So if you are questioning whether or not, again, that work is required, Paul is saying that it, it is. You need to work it out. Salvation is a free gift of God. Once you get saved, you need to work out your salvation. And he says you need to do so with, with a sense of trepidation. Fear and trembling. Why, why would we need to have a sense of trepidation with regard to the working out of our salvation? Well, I think as we've just been discussing, and if we are those who have had our spiritual eyes opened, we truly understand and have perceived very well that we have a flesh and that there are temptations that come against our flesh that want to drag us back to those old idols of the heart that offer us nothing, but death and gloom and discouragement. And that's why we wage war. And so there's a sense of trepidation, fear and trembling that we have with us if we fail to work out our salvation. 
if we're to fail to have a sustained plan of success of growing, it should cause us to have fear and trembling if we're not exercising ourselves toward godliness. Because if we're not doing that, you're not just some neutral agent floating around in some nebulous space. You're either going forward and growing in Christ-likeness, or you're going to be doing deeds in a different direction. You're going to be doing something. You're going to be bearing fruit in some fashion. You're not just sitting back on your couch watching playoff football all day long. Right? That's, even, in, even in that, that would be a work. You get up in the morning, I don't have time for the Word, man. I'm looking forward to my playoff football games all day long, 10 hours worth. Yeah, it says a lot about our hearts and where our hearts are at. Instead of getting up and saying, you know, there's a lot of really great football that's going to be on today and I want to watch it, but I've got a plan, purpose, and intention, way of living my life, and I'm not going to miss spending my time with God. And because I, I have a sense of trepidation that if I don't, I have a, a fear and trembling that if I'm not working out my salvation, I'm going the wrong direction. And I'm going to continue to slide in that way. And my flesh is continually saying, feed me, Seymour. But notice, notice verse 13. You're not alone. God is at work in you. Did we say that it was a synergistic work between God and the Christian? This progressive, salvation, progressive sanctification thing? Not only are we to be working, listen, God's working. It's God who's at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Never forget that either. Why do I work so diligently? Why am I striving? Why am I laboring? Why do I have a plan going into 24 for how I'm going to grow spiritually? Well, because if I don't, I have a sense of trepidation that what would continue to happen in my life, and it wouldn't be good, it wouldn't be Christ-likeness I see being developed in me. It's going to be something other than that. But also because I know that God's at work within me. I can sense and feel the Holy Spirit of God at work in me to put to death my deeds of the flesh. Get in step with what God's doing on the inside, on your outside. Make decisions of your heart and your will that would be conforming your lives into the doctrines of the Scripture instead of the ways of the world. And did you notice, I love this right here at the very end of verse 13, both to will and to work, notice this. So God's at work. He's, will, he, he's willing it, and He's working it. And notice, for what? His good pleasure. The knowledge that our progressive sanctification and the effort that we put into growing into Christ's likeness brings pleasure to God should motivate us more than anything not, only, not even our own pleasures for ourselves. Yes, it's good for us. But when we understand that, it's, that God's at work in, in us and willing for us and working in us toward His good pleasure, He loves it when His kids are flourishing and living that abundant life in Christ Jesus. That should be a motivation for us all the more. It's like the, the, uh, the cherry on top of the icing or on the cake, right? For our good, yes, for God's greater glory, indeed. So church, listen. Um, whatever it may be, 
as good as it may seem. Whatever in the world is keeping you or could keep you from such glorious work. I want you to think about this today. Make this an exercise. What are the things that are keeping me away from such a glorious work? Whether it's social media, scrolling on those apps mindlessly for hours whether it's certain forms of entertainment, etc., etc., add in your favorite, ad nauseum, okay? Just whatever that may be. Ask yourselves going into 2024 if that thing is more important than knowing that God is pleased, that it brings pleasure to God to see His children growing into the image of Jesus Christ. Which, would, which are you desiring more? More scroll time on your social media? Or the knowledge that, man, I'm growing in Christ's image and God is being glorified more through my life as a result of it. Whatever is keeping you from growing in such a glorious work, I would encourage you to chop it off. Pull out the proverbial shotgun, take it to the shed, and blow it to pieces. Am I saying permanently? I didn't say permanently. And all these other things he'll add unto you. But if it's preventing you from doing it for a time period in your life, you need to take a sabbatical from it. You need to cut it off and get it back into its right place in your life. And once you get your life right-sized and you get your life going where you have the spiritual disciplines in your life, the intake of God's Word, prayer, Scripture memory, meditation on what you're reading, so it gets that filters from your brain down into your, into your heart, your soul. And once you get those good patterns like when you go to a gym, you build good habits and patterns. Once you build those good habits and patterns of spiritual disciplines in your life, then maybe you can try to reintroduce some things that aren't just super negative for you unless they start to creep back over and kill you and take you down and send that stuff away again, the, the, the good things. Are you following me? I'm just saying if there's something that's, that's keeping you from such a glorious work as this, take it to the woodshed and kill it for the time being until you can manage it more appropriately. When the Holy Spirit, the God who's at work in you, is producing in you better self-control over such things, and you're able to put God first and these other things in the right place. You follow me? Listen, church, make 2024 your best year yet. Your life is hidden in Christ. But don't think you can just sit back, let go, and let God. You've got to get to work. There's a great and glorious work to be done for your progressive sanctification. And never forget God is at work in you.